Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the School of Travels podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful summer wherever you are out there in the big wide world and you're getting to take a vacation, you're getting out to see some things you've always wanted to see. I really hope you're having a great time. This week I am bringing you the second episode in a series that I did in Bansko, Bulgaria, a place where I've spent quite a bit of this summer. And in my last episode, episode 20, I talked with Nathan Wright a little bit about the difficulty of having a digital nomad relationship. When you are constantly traveling, it can be quite hard to find another person that you connect with to the extent where you want to travel with them around the world and compromise on all the places you want to go, make those decisions together. And I haven't had a nomad couple on the show since all the way back in episode two with Brianna and John. So this week, I'm going to have my second couple on the show who are currently making it work. They're both from two different continents and they met on a third continent, and then took their first trip together on a fourth continent. So this is really an international love story. I'm very excited to introduce you to Emil and Darlin. They have some of the most amazing stories of traveling together. And I will tell you, this has all been just within the last year. You are going to be shocked at what they've experienced together in such a short time. So without further ado, here's my interview with Emil and Darlin. Welcome to episode 21 of the School of Travels podcast. Today I am joined by two of my new friends in Bansko, Bulgaria, Emil Madens and Darlin Lopez. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to hear your story because as I just mentioned in my last episode with Nathan, finding love on the road is a challenge in this modern day of nomadic travel. And I heard that you guys have some interesting stories, so I'm sure our listeners are going to be excited. No pressure. <laughs> oh, definitely. We do have some uh, crazy stories. In yeah, we do have a few interesting stories. Great, great. I'm excited to hear them. So first of all, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? My name is Darling. I was born in Colombia to start with. My dad used to travel a lot. So um, we lived there for a few years. Then we lived in Venezuela. Then we lived in Spain. Then we lived in England. Um, so that kind of put me into traveling. I'm a, a Belgian um, national resident. Um, I have uh, moved to Bulgaria uh, recently. Um, I'm 25. I've been traveling for the last three to four years, I think. Yes, and I've met Darlin here uh, last year in Australia. You've already told me, Darlin, how you kind of got into travel. How would you say that you got into travel? Um, my mom always took me on trips when I was younger. Um, so even as a very small child, she would always take me to Turkey or, or um, Morocco or even Spain or Italy, which, you know, they were more like these resorts kind of hotels, a little bit adventurous, um, but they kind of ignited the spark uh, for me later on to actually start exploring by myself. Cool. Now, were you guys both, were you traveling alone before you met each other in Australia? Yes, so I was, I had a job in an office um, after I graduated and I was in Beijing, I was living in Beijing. Um, It was the perfect job, um, as you can say on paper. Um, But after about three, four months, I just, I don't know, I just got a bit bored and I just thought this is not what I want because I could see myself in that job for ages. 
Um, and I wanted to travel, you know, whilst I was young and, you know, see more than just start working and then, you know, the typical, then buying a house and then, um, so yeah. Where were you living before you moved to Beijing? Because that's such a different place to be living. Yeah, so I was, I was studying in England, uni, and then after I graduated, that was the first kind of job that I've got. Um, and then after that, I decided I'm not going to go back home. And then I just started traveling. Um, and I ran out of money halfway through. Oh, really? <laughs> Which was really bad because obviously I told my parents, I'm not coming back. This is what I want. Um, and they were like, this is crazy. Why did you quit your job? Um, you know, the typical thing. So I didn't want to go back. Um, but I found that at the hostel where I was staying, there were loads of um, really nice people. And they were like, no, um, don't go home. Just, you know, you can get a plane to Australia with the money that you have left. Um, we help you. And they kind of helped me, um, which was really good. And then I arrived in Australia with no money. Um, but then I asked in the hostel where I was staying. In if, Sydney? Yes, in Sydney. Okay. Um, I basically asked them if I could just kind of clean or do anything just so I could pay my rent till I find a job. Um, so I did that, I cleaned for like a week and then within that week after I you know, was cleaning, um, I would go into town and try to find a job. And then I found a job and that's how it started. Um, okay, let's stop you there for just a second because I'm curious. And then how did you get to Australia to this point where you met her when you started um, traveling? At that point I was traveling in, um, well, just Southeast Asia, I don't remember where I was um, exactly when I heard people talking about you should come to Australia um, because that's, that seemed like the uh, most logical thing for people to do right after they've traveled to uh, Southeast Asia. Um. They kind of run out of money um, and then Australia is portrayed as this uh, land of sugar and honey where you can, uh, you know, there's always warm weather, uh, there's very good money to be made. So I kind of yeah, bought into it and I actually went to Australia and um, in hindsight it was actually a very good decision um, as I really had some of the time of my life there um, and well the money was pretty good as well to fund further travels. So you had a job, you arranged to get a job in Australia? Yes, so the way it is set up it is quite easy for backpackers to get a job. Okay. Um, most of the um, rural jobs or so, uh, the farm jobs or even uh, a big portion of the construction jobs is actually mainly allocated uh, to backpackers, believe it or not. Were you on a working holiday visa? I was, yes. Okay, were you also? Yes, I was as well. Okay. I think I, I'm American and I know that it's, a, it's more complicated for us to get a working holiday visa, but I believe under the age of 30 we can. So listeners, if you're American, check that out. Or check oh, the rules for us for as well, it's under, I think now it's under 33 on the 30. I think they changed it to 35, but 35, I don't know if it's, yes. if it's been official yet. Um, for American people, I think it's quite similar. However, the only um, challenge is into getting your second year visa. Um, that, that you're restricted to certain locations where you have, because you have to do uh, farm work to earn your right for a second year visa. And American people have to do this farm work within certain locations or certain industries where we are uh, less restricted. I see. Okay. Good. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. And and as I said, listeners, please check out the rules for this because Australia, I know, does have that fantastic image yes. to so many people. Um, so had you been just a backpacker traveling around before you went to Australia? I know you said you've been traveling for a few years. 
Um, so the first time I actually traveled by myself, I went to uh, Bali because I was looking for something that I could do solo and something that had a bit of this exotic appeal because uh, I wasn't really uh, outside of Europe at that point. That was probably four or five years ago. Um, so I was looking for something where there was a lot of solo travelers as well. And Bali is kind of that first touch point, I think, for a lot of travelers that are looking to expand outside of Europe. Uh, so that's what I did. And from my trip to Bali, I still had a full-time job there. Then, not in Bali, in Belgium. Um, so I just went for two weeks, I think, on my own. I had a really good time, a really good experience. So I came back to uh, my full-time job, where I've actually decided that same month um, that I didn't want to continue working for much longer. I had some money aside, um, so I decided to just hand in my notice a few months after that and then uh, explore more of Southeast Asia and then basically start traveling full time. Cool. And so you both found yourselves in Australia. And then how did you meet there? So um, we were both working in this solar farm. So I was doing my um, farm work. So it's three months of doing rural work and um, we kind of met there but we didn't meet there if that makes sense so we were working in the same place we've seen each other but it was such a big um, place it was about 500 people working there oh, wow. um, so then we had the kind of my very good friend had like a relationship with his friend and that's kind of how we met um, but nothing happened until we all got fired um, the Wait, same day. You all get fired. <laughs> yeah, it was I didn't get fired. <laughs> it was coming towards the end of the um, of the project, so they kind of let go of a lot of people. Um, and then we all decided to book a trip to Bali, and that's how we met. Just in in Bali, we did a group a trip with everyone. And yes, it was kind of funny because we didn't really know each other, um, so we just went as the friends of the couple. So it was the four of us. And I decided that I didn't want to pay full price for a ticket to Bali. So I found a way to fly to Jakarta from an unknown deserted uh, airport in Australia in the middle of the outback. Yes, so we trusted him to book the flights. Um, and then we did a road trip to the airport to, to leave, you know, to, to Bali. In the middle of the outback. And then he became from Australia into the kind of road that you're like, I'm not sure there's a kind of airport here. Then there was to no road, like it was like a full blown desert. desert yeah. Yes, in and the I'm, outback, you're just driving yes. in the outback yeah. looking for an airport. And we were just like, I'm not sure this is, you know, this is gonna be an, an airport that people are gonna come here. No, there is an airport. There is, and we arrived, and there was absolutely no airport. It was just a little shed with a, a with a female toilet. That was yes. there. just a female toilet in the, in the middle of the desert. And and we got, all got out and we were like, oh my God, we're literally stranded here because we had a flat tire. So, um, but I mean, at the time it was a bit, a bit stressful, but um, it's one of the best stories. I think the most stressful stories at the time are the best ones to, um, to tell. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we got to know each other. And that's when I think uh, Darlin fell blindly in love with me. Um, <laughs> Because of my uh, lack of organizational talent. I was so annoyed with him. I find it so sexy how you don't know where we're going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what had happened? Like, it was just a scam on the internet? That... Basically, Skyscanner uses these uh, short codes, which are representative for the airport, if that makes sense. So it would be 
Um, let me give you an example. LA would be LAX. So that's like the typical uh, abbreviation. Whereas CHG was short for an airport somewhere in Indonesia, so the destination country. Um, and CHG in this case was being uh, confused with Chilagu, which is a very small town in rural Australia. Uh-huh. And it got mixed up somewhere in the system. So. Oh, so you like accidentally used your origin airport as this place in Australia, but doesn't... Yeah, really we kind have... of booked just Australia to Indonesia and uh, it also suggested go from CHG in Australia. But the system kind of mixed it up. Somebody must have, you know, Excel I mean, we files. got the refund yeah. at the end. We got the refund, yeah. Oh, okay. Is there actually an airport there? They just chose a random city name. It's just like a... Used to be an airstrip like 30 yeah, years ago, like probably, a... yes. Just some <laughs> asphalt. Yeah. This is wild, yes. This is a great story. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how we met. I was so annoyed with him. Um, I think we were all... But we've been drinking kind of in the way, you know, on the road trip. So we were all a bit like, oh, this is not happening. And then we had a flat tire. And then, and then there was no one around. So um, how did you get out of that situation? One of our friends, she kind of walked towards, and then there was like a, a car coming along, and she was like, "Stop!" And then they said, "Oh, we'll bring, we'll tell someone in town to come and help." It's you. like this typical town with 150 inhabitants, so the people are all uh, walking bare feet, and there's not really like a civilized town. Like it's a bit like the hills have eyes. Have you, have you yes, seen that movie? Yes, very <laughs> like the hills oh have eyes. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so by then, so you're already in love with each other by the, by waiting for this car to come and, and help you out. I mean, it's just like you yeah. said, love at first sight. Mm. And uh, did you just start traveling together shortly thereafter? No. Or? So we were in in Bali for like two weeks, over two weeks, nearly three weeks. And um, after that, I said to him, "Well, I'm going to Japan because I would always wanted to go to Japan." And then he said he wanted to join. And um, but then I was having a road trip with my parents in Australia, so I had to go back to Australia for a month. And uh, he went back to Belgium. Um, we just kept talking, and at the end, we agreed that we were going to go to China instead of Japan because I had such a good experience in China. Before. Because I couldn't get the, the working visa for Japan. Yes, he couldn't get the working visa. It, it, I, as someone who lived in Japan for twelve years on a working visa, yeah. it can be complicated. They're quite strict, I think. Yes. Yes, depending on what you're trying to do. So. Yes. So uh, we went to China instead. That was like your first place where you. were the two of you and you're going to try to travel together. Well, it was it was funny because I was traveling with my parents. So we went on a road trip around Australia and then I was meant to meet him in Vietnam. And uh, but my parents have never been to Vietnam. So they were like, oh, are you going to Vietnam? We'll come with you. Um, so they were kind of didn't want to leave. Like it's very hard for them to get time off. But when they do, they won't just they just don't want to leave um so I was like oh well I'm kind of meeting this guy that I haven't got you know it's not very clear and to meet the parents is a bit you know <laughs> anyway she was like just drop by my parents will probably probably be here for another day or maybe a day or two you can come and say hi and I was like well why not uh, I came to say hi but little did I know that we were actually gonna travel together like a family for the yes. next four or five weeks what? <laughs> so it was a very intense meeting the parents oh 
Yes, so we, we traveled Vietnam with my parents for another month. Um, and after that, we all went to China because they wanted to come to China again like with us. And um, we were in China. We found this job as teachers. And because they pay really well as, you know, per se. And um, they gave us a nice flat. Um, everything was just like perfect. Um, but then um, it was, uh, it just, everything just turned weird didn't it was this in beijing or a big city so originally we were gonna get a job in beijing we were with an agency so they told us yeah you'll be in beijing and i said this is good because i lived in beijing i know like all these places that we can go and then they said no we actually found you a place a school um an hour from beijing so we had to go and see it and i mean the place looked amazing um but it was only because there was a holiday for like two weeks new year's um holidays so there was blue skies it was beautiful so i said well it's not that bad it's a big city we can just you know explore and live but um as we started you know leaving there it just all turned absolutely Great. horrific because all the factories of beijing like there was like a law that the factories had moved from beijing to the, to the surrounding cities which is what they did then and that was one of those surrounding cities you can google it it's called baoding and it's nicknamed the most polluted city of China. In the world. Yeah, which okay. equals the world. Um, so you have to Google all of that, listeners. Yeah. Google that. Yes. So we literally had to walk outside with a, with a mask. Um, it was worse than Beijing. Like it was, you could only see like up to like 20 meters and the rest is just a cloud of gray. It's, it was Very just depressing. like, it was like walking in like mist. Like it's just, yeah. but it was all pollution. It was all like... And everybody has to live there that are in that yes. town. Children. Plus... I don't want to um, discourage anyone from going to China or teaching, but we had a horrible experience. Maybe partly our fault because we didn't do a full background check of the school that was going to engage us. Um, but turning out for us, it was very hard to leave. And a lot of people in our position were actually abused up to the point that they were working almost for free. Um, that they were actually... Well, they couldn't actually leave. It was a bit like... Uh, a bit like modern slavery if so you would call it uh, yeah, they couldn't have like the people that own the schools they had their passports so you couldn't actually leave the country because you don't have your passports with you um their wages got reduced to 500 dollars a month but that is depending like depending on where you were from like if you were um like british you would get paid a lot um if you were american you would still get paid a lot but not as much if you would be from South Africa, you would get paid less than American and British. And it would go down until, like, if you're from Kenya, which there were a lot of people from Kenya, they would get paid absolutely, like, and nothing. The, and the passports would get withheld, so no one would actually be able to leave. They had everybody's passports. Yes, and when we saw well, this going on, we were... Well, I mean, I, I yeah. ne personally, I never like to hand in my passport. I, I mean, you need a copy or you can have a copy but I need to have it with me like I've never given it away for people to have it so we never gave it our passports to them so um, for us it was okay because when we wanted to leave we basically just had to pack everything um, and kind of hide from the people because we lived in a place that was um, that had loads of security and stuff 
So we had to kind of run away and just get the first flight out of China so into yeah. Russia. How would you get out of this city? Was there were there buses heading into Beijing from there? That you could it, there was a there? train. A lot of taxis as well. So. so at the time we had like a little motorcycle that we bought. It was only like sixty dollars. Um, so we bought like a bit of our bags. We left a lot of stuff because we couldn't be. You know, if they saw that we had all this luggage, they would be like, "What? Where are you going?" So we just kind of took the first train, the first train, and the first flight out of China. The problem is in China. I mean, it is still a very corrupt country, unfortunately. So we saw this family that employed us. The the owners of this group of schools. They were very rich and powerful. Uh, this lady in particular, she was the boss. Her husband was the chief of police of Baoding. Um, so we saw in this gated residency, this gated community where we were living, there were a lot of police officers that were in his force. And you could kind of see and feel that we were being monitored with every move we made. Uh, the guards also probably like most likely reported to her or um, the organization whenever we were leaving. So it was a very... Truman Show kind of feeling. Yes. yes. So we had to take some measures in order to safely escape uh, that area. Like you prepared probably meticulously for how you were going to leave. Oh, yes. we, we prepared within an hour. We were out. Yes. We so, just, well, his granddad was ill. So we texted them and said, well, we might need to go home because, you know, we don't know if he's going to die and we want to be there for, you know, for the family. And they said, well, you can't leave. If you want to leave, you need to wait until the summer. That was when it hit us like this. And is... we were like, the, and then they all started ringing us like, um, what are you going to do? And then we had someone that was working at the school with us. And they were like, oh, um, I'm coming to have dinner with you. And then we thought this is a bit too weird. Very like weird. everyone is ringing us and everyone's like making plans. It's, like a, bit last like, minute. it's a bit like in the Truman Show. I don't yes. know if you've seen that. I where, did like twice, uh, but it's been a while. Please remind me. So Jim Carrey tries to, he's like, I've always been in the city and I actually want to see if there's something else. So I'm going to do a road trip to Florida or whatever. And he starts driving. All of a sudden, there's huge traffic jams or people stop him and or there's a fire or something. And for some reason, he can't leave. And that was exactly how we felt there. We felt just like like we were actually being like... Constrained. Like, stalked. Oh, and yes. then we just said, no, let's just pack. And within an hour, we just were out of the flat and yes. into the... Into the uh, we took the train and in Beijing and when we arrived we took the first flight out of China we just didn't care where it was going to and it was to Russia and as soon as we got to Russia we had messages from you know these ladies saying oh um um where are you why didn't you come to school um you can't leave we know that you haven't left the country we just checked your passports. Um, like all these very weird um, stuff. Scare yeah. well. Very, very scary. The um, moment we actually got scared is when we were aware that there were Ukrainian employees there. Um, and all of a sudden they disappeared. And then we heard the story, if it's true or not, I don't know. But they've actually been arrested and they were... At the airport. In jail oh. for breaching their contract with the school. Oh, because they were taken at the airport trying to leave. Yes. And then put into jail. Oh, yes. gosh. So it was, yeah, that was... Uh, quite an experience yeah. but I mean like I said before is is the type of experiences that you you always will have with you like the bad experiences I think are the ones that make you more yeah. I don't know I do think maybe on the on the podcast we should say the name of this group of schools that actually no one else will ever end up with them they're called new windows okay 
Yes. Right. Yeah, no, I think because they're important. very powerful. We we actually were in this agency who was going to allocate us to a school and they we had a few options where we could go and all of a sudden this lady called this agency and there was no other option for us than to go to this school. That's how much power she had. She could get anything done she wanted. Very very scary actually. Yes, but I mean if you definitely want to go and teach in China, I think she definitely do your um, you know, research, but there's definitely really good schools because I've met people that have, you know, when I was living there that were doing teaching and they used to earn a lot. Um, and they give you, I mean, if you're American, they pay you very well, they give you a free flat so you don't pay rent, you don't pay anything. Um, and you can definitely earn a lot of money. It's just whether you, you you know you need to definitely do your research. Maybe definitely do it with a, an agency that speaks good English and do it with a Chinese agency because they're a bit dodgy. Um, but that you can definitely do teaching, and you know be safe. It's just do your research first and hold on to your passport. Yes, never give that away. Yes. And- and it sounds like, you know, there were a lot of last minute changes that happened to you yes. guys in the process. So if, if you're listening to this and this is, you know, you're going to do something like this and you just the whole process, keep your eyes open. And yeah, definitely. I wouldn't, I would never give my passport away. That's like rule number one, probably yes. when traveling, always keep on to your passport. Yes. Even, even when renting a motorbike somewhere in Southeast Asia, a lot of, a lot of agencies are, are little uh, scooter rental places will require a passport. And I've, I've given it in the past, but it will always be my last resort. I would rather give a deposit of two, three hundred euros than actually give my passport. Yes. Yeah. I, I know I've stood at many, you know, hotel counters and just said, give me my passport back. Are yes. you done with it now? Because they all often, almost all Sometimes they for that. Yeah. Make a copy, but, yeah. you know, make sure everybody that you get it back and yeah, definitely. keep it. Wow. So your very first experience together was... A very traumatic one in a, in a new country together. Well, we had the earthquake in Bali as well, didn't we? Yes, we had to get out of Bali. We were in Bali when the earth, this massive earthquake happened. Was this before China? Yes, so that's when we kind of first started going out. And um, yeah, we were asleep and, you know, I woke up because, I mean, I, I lived in Colombia for a while and we used to have earthquakes. So the thing is, when you, when you feel it, you meant to run out out of the house because you might, you know, everything might just collapse. Um, so I felt it and I woke up and I, I, we were all sleeping in the same room um, in this hostel and I was like, guys, there's an earthquake, we need to run. And I went into the balcony and I could see the pool and the water was just coming out of the pool. And I thought, this is, this is not like a little earthquake. This is actually um, horrible. And... Um, and then the same day, everyone was just trying to leave Bali and there were not enough boats. And obviously the sea was just... So many people lost their house. Yes, in, in it, was, it yeah. was actually very, very horrible. We got the last boat yes. back to the mainland. But I mean, it took us 20 hours to, to cross when it's meant to be two hours. It's just... Oh. Yeah, the sea was hours. just too um, crazy and yeah. Oh, Wow. I'm, I'm, I feel lucky to have met you guys here. You've been through so much, and, you know. Wow. Um, so thank you for sharing. But I'm also, I think people are learning from you know these situations that you've been through. And I hope you're not scaring anyone to start traveling. Now. No, I think it's 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 been the best. I think 
the bad stories are always the ones that you remember the most and the ones that you're like, oh my God, it's crazy what we went through. And, you know, um, rather than obviously you remember the good things as well, but I think the bad ones are the ones that you remember the most. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that you guys are still so excited about travel oh, says definitely. a lot. Yes. So, so I heard, Darlin, that you actually now have quite a unique job for working on the road. Would you like to share a little bit about what you do? Because I've had some listeners ask me questions about those people you're interviewing. What are they doing or how are they making some of their income? Because sometimes they want to do it too. Um, so I actually work on Fiverr. Oh, yeah. um, so it's yeah. like the platform that you can basically buy any kind of freelance job from you know do designing logos to making videos so i actually make videos any kind of marketing videos so i do unboxing videos um i do um i used to do testimonials um i don't do that anymore um i do spokesperson videos promotional videos video ads um explainer videos um any kind of videos depending on what the uh, company or the person wants um a lot of the times they sent me the product and then i kind of open it up and see what is inside or i explain how to use it or yeah just depends on what the the company or the person wants how did you get the idea to put up those services on Fiverr? Um, so my boyfriend actually, he does uh, videos as well, um, but he does only using pictures and videos, um, whereas I'm actually in the video. So he started and he was doing really, really well. So I thought maybe I'll do it, but I'm like in the video talking. Um, and yeah, it's been really, really good. You just need to get to the first page to earn, you know, what you would earn in a job. So, right, right. so yeah. So do you also do some work for Fiverr? Yeah, so I'm also on Fiverr. Um, I make promotional videos, as uh, Darlin explained. They're like the videos that you would see on Facebook. Uh, oh, check out this new product. It's absolutely amazing. And then persuading people to click or to, to buy. Uh, so. so much is moving to video. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, That's it. Kind of going the way of... There's the a huge demand for it, yes. Yeah. Mm. And people prefer to watch videos over reading mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm not sure, like, about the majority of people, but, like, whenever I need, I don't understand something, like, I'm I'm editing a lot of my videos and sometimes I'm, I need something and I don't know how to do it, so I would just, you know, YouTube it and then see um, how, you know, people explain how to do it. So I think it's definitely um, growing. Mm. No. Not sure if I'm allowed to share this on the podcast, but I'll just give it a try. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm actually selling things on Fiverr, um, but I'm, I'm not really doing the work myself, so I'm outsourcing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit of a system I've developed, and I'm uh, kind of making a course around it where I explain the whole process. So if I get your permission, I mean, I could share the link once I've finished uh, the course or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that would be yeah. fine. But also that idea, I mean, maybe someone at home like may have an idea with a different kind of service and they never thought yes. it was possible. Um, I actually think I had a website made once where the woman I was contacting was not the one making the website. I think she yes. hired someone from another country to do yes. it. So. It's very popular. Like you read the four hour work week. This is like the Bible of a lot of people in e-commerce or, or digital nomads. And that is the truth of how things are going around now mainly 
Yeah, outsourcing is, yeah. A, is a big skill you need to really be able to scale. To scale, yes. Because yes. you can only do so much within a given amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding that out as we're here in Bonsko, Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. Because uh, actually, um, listeners, if you are a true fan of my podcast, you may remember my first two episodes last of the my first two episodes of the podcast were done last year here in Bonsko with people, mm-hmm. and um, I'm here again. And uh, yeah, it's been interesting to see what everybody does here and how we're all getting income as we travel. I don't have many opportunities to interview couples who are nomadic, so I'm wondering what challenges and also positives have you encountered as you've traveled together as a couple? I think challenges, I would say that there's so many. I mean, um... <laughs> yeah, you didn't see this, listeners, but like, Neil like, kind of backed up when she said that. <laughs> No, I mean, with him, I find very easy to travel. We have the kind of same mentality, mindset. We don't mind um, eating cheap if we need to or, you know, going cheap. Like, um, so, which is good. We also don't mind walking. Um, yeah, we have the kind of same mentality. But obviously, there's, there's things that, you know, kind of... Yeah, like, like different people. Yes. yes. <laughs> like Darlene likes to linger her socks everywhere. <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> oh, she's like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. No, but um, um, yeah, like he's a bit slow at times, and I'm, I'm a bit, I'm very impatient. So, um, like, like in Bali when there was the earthquake, uh, this is the last boat leaving, and the boat arrived, and we all got on the boat, and he was waiting for a sandwich. So I, I ran back into the sandwich. Um, shop and I said Emil the boat is literally leaving we are going now and I looked at him and he just turned and said okay and then just walked very slowly into the kitchen to uh, to tell them to hurry up or I don't know but to me I was just so angry because I'm like this has been an earthquake we're all leaving this is the last boat and you're literally walking so slow to get a sandwich um but I think I mean I don't know, we just, we getting to know each other a lot and we, um, I mean, for us, it's very easy to travel, isn't it? That similar mentality is so important. Yes. It's like living together, basically, but without many of the challenges that you would face living together because there's not the daily monotony. Uh-huh. Uh, like, I'm stuck here, oh, well, you know. Yes. That's it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of distraction, like there's a lot of things you can do together uh, that just break up your routine that keeps it, like interesting mm-hmm. yeah definitely and also like work-wise mm-hmm. like I find I didn't I didn't have this with anyone before whereas um with him uh, we kind of push each other like especially when we need money um, That's great. um which is good I mean he teaches me a lot of you know editing a lot of things that I don't know and um yeah we just exchange um skills I would say yes and Darlene is always my um, second opinion when I'm trying to yes. make something or create something because I mainly sell on Amazon as well. Mm-hmm. So this is where I have my, my brand and then I'm designing something and then Darlene is always the one saying, uh, you should do this and you should do that. And it helped me tremendously. Being able to grow together. Yes, definitely. Yes. So pushing but growing, it's, it's important. Yeah. And I know just from us being in Bonsko, like you can tap into these communities, mm. come in as a couple, and then you you know can spread out the attention and, and where you're getting more information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it's something, I don't know if it's because we're traveling, or, but I've never had that with anyone. 
um, where, you know, I would learn so much from someone and, you know. That's great. Yeah. This is only the beginning? Yes. And you said, yes. So you said about a year that you've been traveling. Yes. Together. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's so many other places to go. I know. It feels, uh, well, we've actually been to around 12 countries together already oh, in a year. Yeah. So it's. Wow. Uh, Do you have a favorite place? Perhaps not China? That we've been together? Together, yeah. Probably not China, no. <laughs> um. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, Australia, we really liked it, but... Um, I mean, we have so many plans of traveling to... I really want him to come to South America, so we'll probably... Yeah. We yeah. probably... I think he'll probably fall in love. I mean, I absolutely love South America. I do too. It's, it's uh, a you've been as well i have yeah i did quite a bit of travel there um, in 2018 and then was there earlier this year just in buenos aires yeah. for two and a half months okay. yeah. have you been to colombia i have yes i spent a month there and mm. listeners don't especially american listeners don't believe everything you hear about colombia it's actually a really beautiful place that is mm. definitely safe enough for you to travel in oh definitely yes. i think they get a lot of bad credit due to netflix Yes, yeah, Narcos yes, is not this. Things, especially for Medellin, but yeah. it's such a great place. And I think you're going to like it, Emil. Yes, I think so. And with you being, are, can you speak Spanish as well? No, we try to practice a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm teaching him a bit. Um, but, I mean, when he stays in my house, my mom speaks Spanish all the time. So I think he picks up more when we're um, at home. Yeah. Do you have still a bunch of family in Colombia? Um, my grandma, yes. Oh. Which part of Colombia? Cali. Oh, I spent a week in Cali learning Did salsa. Ah. Taking like yes, know, immersion salsa. And I don't <laughs> know how much is still with me, but it is. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's been through a lot. But yes, um, but um, I mean, yeah, I think the whole of South America, not just Colombia, but like Brazil, is very beautiful and. Brazil's opening up to it just um, this month. We are allowed as Americans to go without a visa. And that's oh, really? been the first time in a long time. So I think they're starting to open up to several countries. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Brazil might be the next big... Oh, it's so beautiful and, and the people and the food and... I can't believe I haven't been anywhere there. Like even the United States, I've never been, so... Yeah, that's great though. There's still so much to see. And I mean, yeah. I really didn't start traveling big and wide until I was 22. And then it's slowly over time, going mm. 25. So mm. got plenty of traveling time in you. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. What do you think you'll get to South America, ideally? I actually would like to go this Christmas. Um, I want to see my grandma because she's uh, 96. So I don't know how long oh. she's going to have left. So I would definitely would like to go. Um, spend Christmas with her and I mean I have family there so we can stay for free and have a lot of food cheap, yeah learn some salsa we've already learned a bit I've took some classes in uh, Belgium yes. in order to surprise uh, darling oh, yes uh, <laughs> well yeah. all right well um, you haven't seen any salsa till you've seen salsa in Cali I think so yeah. yes. super fast <laughs> I know my sisters they yeah. Uh, they're very, very fast. I haven't really picked up, you know, too much because I've been in England for so long. But, um, yeah, I have a cousin that's a really good salsa. He was in actual competitions for uh, for the country. So 
I said to him when we go, he will definitely it will be interesting to have him um, teaching us. Yeah, I had a good uh, a good friend of mine gave me a contact in Kali while I was there too, and she's a lovely person. I'd be happy to introduce you to. Oh, definitely. Her yeah. She's closer to our age than yeah. your grandma, so <laughs> she can probably take you around or yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about packing for a minute. I love in my podcast to ask this question. And how about I ask together, can you tell me four things, four like unique items that you feel that you must always bring with you that seem hard to find on the road? Four unique things? Four things together. So you can do two and two okay, or okay. anything that might... Besides our passports, then probably? Uh, yeah, please never give that to anyone. <laughs> you yeah. must always have your passport. And, um, and your laptop, I assume that you always bring. That's not unique. Okay, so and phone is also not. Part yeah, of, no, no. no. Um, well, I'm I'm pretty minimalist, so I actually have to think about this. Um, I would say my laptop because I do work on it. But besides that, yeah, he doesn't pack anything. Oh. Like he's very very minimalistic. Whereas me, um, I would say bicarbonate of soda. Oh. I yeah, uh, I carry it with me if I can't, you know, um, take it with me. I always buy it wherever I am. Um, and it's good for your teeth. I mean, it keeps your teeth <laughs> white. It's also really good for um, if you have any injuries or anything, just to wash it. Or sometimes um, if you suffer from like um, really bad um, tonsillitis or stuff like this, you know, it's always really good to just gargle with, um, you know, water and bicarbonate of soda. It just completely kills the bacteria. Um, I mean, yeah, cleaning for everything. I mean, I use it for a lot of things. If I um, had a few accidents on a motorbike, so I always kind of use that. Yeah, it sounds like things that are multi-purpose. Yeah, definitely. Practical to bring. What else do you always take with you? I'm just wondering. We're actually not not very fond of like things that we always take with us, so it's... I mean, I always carry yeah. like a tiny little pack or just like first aid where I had my, you know, I have mm. like antibacterial... Um, paracetamol um a little thing in case i you know injured myself mm-hmm. but yes oh, oh there is one thing that well i've only used it in southeast asia and when i was in africa for a bit um like a fanny pack because uh, my very first day of travel believe it or not i got robbed of my wallet <laughs> oh wow that was then in bali four years ago so then i learned the hard way that i should always have a fanny pack the little thing you put around your 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 stomach you put your t-shirt over it mm-hmm. uh, and that way you know your money is always secure your passport as well so so do you always like when you're walking around come with like walk with us or um when i'm in these kind of places um i haven't you well strangely enough the only place i was robbed after i had my bali accident was not southeast asia or africa it was actually sydney of all places australia wow. so um yeah i would i would advise everyone to have this fanny pack like it's cheap, convenient, and it can can save you a lot of hassle. I've definitely found like just to have a small like we all we have purses typically, mm-hmm. but just anything small to carry things around because you don't always want your backpack. Yes, and if it's can be concealed, that's even yes. Better. And as a man, it's still unfortunately not really socially accepted to wear a purse. So, right. funny pack comes close. <laughs> definitely, it's a good one. And there's so many stylish ones out there these days, too. Yes. Mm. My first image is always like the 1980s version. Like That's the one I had, probably. Yeah, yes. yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think... Um, I mean, I always carry with me my sunglasses, but that's purely because of my hair. Like, I just... It keeps my hair out of my face. So... Um, sunglasses are one of those things. Yes, like and it always makes you look stylish, even if you look, like, absolutely um, sweaty, you know, if you're walking mm. through, and you just have sunglasses. It looks a bit, you know, you look a bit less... Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I see a lot of people complaining about is when they go to Asia, they want to buy a sunscreen... It has this whitening in it, so it won't actually make you tan. It'll actually make you pale. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of people take sunscreen from home and they're happy that they've taken that because there's no whitening in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I like polarized sunglasses as well if I can get them just because they tend to be a bit more expensive, but I feel I can just see mm. and open my eyes much yeah. better. So, And I find that hard to find like real polarized sunglasses yes. when you're... In Southeast Asia on the road. So now I'm going to ask like a deep question here. Um, what do you think travel has taught you about yourself? Um, it has taught me that I actually don't know that much. Um, <laughs> whereas I see a lot of people, especially in, in Belgium, where I'm from, the place where I live, myself included, before I traveled, like we have this very opinionated view on things without actually having uh, been confronted with a lot of different cultures or um, different ways of living. And um, as I was traveling, I saw that there were so many other ways of living, uh, other school of thoughts. Um, if that is that an expression, school of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, that I kind of realized that you know, having a bit of more of an open mind and being a bit less opinionated. For me, I think it has taught me how lucky I am. Um, I mean, I, I mean, Southeast Asia, for example, you see so much poverty, um, but also like. Um, I went to Nepal for a while and um, people there are just so poor, they're literally so poor and they're so selfless, like if you need anything, they would give you their food, they would give you their children's food, you know, to you, which, you know, it just makes you think that you are very um, back at home, you just, you're very selfish, you know, Um, it has taught me that I have an incredible family, you know, I've met so many people whose family are just not supportive at all. So when I came back from traveling and I went back home, I literally thought I have the best family. Like it's just, they're always there if I have any problems. Money wise, like traveling, I would ring my sister and I know that she'll be like, okay, I'll send you some money now. Whereas so many people don't have that support. Uh, Yeah, just how lucky I am very, you know, to open my mind to other cultures and kind of respect what they believe in. Um, so my family was very Catholic to start with. And, you know, as that, you, you, you learn that, you know, it's like a, is that or everything else is wrong. Whereas you travel and you meet these people and they're, they're exactly the same as you, you know, they believe that that's it, this is it. Um, but you learned, I don't know, somehow to, to see life as, you know, different perspectives and yeah, I mean, traveling completely taught me that I I should enjoy life like uh, more than you know there's more to life than you know working in an office every single day for the rest of your life basically um Mm. and I think this is why you know I started 
being a digital nomad because I just look at my dad, you know, he worked in an office for over 40 something years. Um, now he's retired and I don't know, he just, we speak and he said, you know, I'm so glad that you're traveling because I look back at my life and I think I didn't really enjoy my job. It was more of the having that prestigious title of being an architect, but in reality, I hated it. I could never do the, what I wanted because there was always something that someone would say, no, you can't do this, um, you need to do the drawings differently, you need to do this, I want this, I want that. And he said, you know, I hated it. Um, and I, now I look back and I think, I just spent so long in an office when I could have done so much more. So um, it's definitely changed the way I think about life. That's so rare. And I think uh, outside of the financial perspective that, you know, we're very fortunate. What I've underestimated as well before I started traveling is how lucky we are with our Western passport. Um, mm -hmm. Like it seems so normal to us that we are able to go to so many countries without having to go through extensive and expensive procedures of getting actually um, our visa granted. Um, where I've met so many people there from well, like the Philippines or, or, or African countries and they just can go wherever they please. Like they have to pay so much for an application and, and just getting treated differently. It's just not fair. It's not fair at all. Yeah. So then I felt, you know, we have this huge privilege. So it would be a shame to not completely make use of it by traveling. I feel like travel gets you outside of yourself. Like you're oh, saying, definitely. Saying Especially as a female traveling, traveling alone. Um, I would recommend it to anyone. Like you're never really alone. Like you go to hostels and you always meet people. Um, but also if you don't want to, you know, there's, there's times that you don't want to talk to anyone. You just want to do your own thing. And that's also fine. You know, you just get to a place and you just do what you want to do if you want to go and read a book by yourself you know it's it's fine but also you know that all you always go back to the hostel and there's always going to be people and I don't know I think you connect a lot more because everyone is doing the same thing and even if you're struggling like I was struggling um, for a bit in Vietnam because I was running out of money um, I found that you know people that I've never met before like just met them a week ago they were like if you need money it's okay i can lend you some and you pay me whenever you have you know it's like um it's like a f second family that you kind of build with with people that you're traveling with it's mm. crazy there's definitely characters you meet on your <clears throat> travels that are so different to you yes. or what you're used to that completely shape your personality yeah Definitely. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, guys. Do you have any advice for someone who is scared, like you said, or ha is like in a job like your dad is right now, not enjoying it, but wanting to travel? There's this quote from this famous movie that goes like, "It's this is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. And once I heard that quote and I started thinking about it, it actually confronted me with mortality and that we only have this limited time on this planet i'm very deep now i'm sorry <laughs> no but we need to get deep here yes and what i would say then if you're a bit intimidated by the concept of traveling i would say start with something popular maybe like one of the hotspots is southeast asia like thailand or vietnam um, why because the infrastructure is built quite a bit so you'll probably run into a lot of people that are probably from your original country it will be very easy to fall back on, on the familiar if you get a bit overwhelmed and it's a good stepping stone to then expand your travels to 
countries that are a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Yeah, I would say just just go. Like if you're always waiting for the right moment, you know, it's just probably will never happen, you know. Um, so I think just jump, just go. Um, you always, you know, you, you will be surprised at the amount of support that you get, you know, when you actually start traveling and when you meet people. And you guys, with your stories from the beginning of this podcast, you've shown that you can get through it. Oh, you and can get through anything. Thing happens, you can get through that. And... and I think these are the stories. I mean, I find that it's more valuable, like all these stories that I'm having than, you know, back at home before I used to go traveling. Um, I used to be like, oh, I want this bag and I want this. But these material things are just, they fill you up for a, for a amount of time. But after that, it's just, they just become things in your wardrobe, you know? Like, um, whereas all these memories and the people that you meet, I think they're far more valuable. I mean, I've, I've met people that I've met in Australia and now I've seen them in Belgium and, you know, like it's... I don't know, it's, it's way more valuable, <laughs> no, um, more valuable than no, material things. Well, thank you so much for having me over to your apartment today and doing this interview with me. If people want to follow you or get in touch with you, where can they find you? Probably Facebook. Yes, um, me, um, at the moment, I'm about to finish my website, which is going to be called Darling Video Marketing. So I'll definitely give you the link okay. if anyone needs any videos. Yes, yeah, we will put the link so they can find it and get your yes. services. Oh, quick question. That reminds me. Is it, uh, how do you find making these videos on the road? Is that a challenge or mm. do you usually film them like in your hotel room or? There's a green screen. Oh, so is. <laughs> <laughs> Basically that is two pieces of green paper <laughs> stuck into the wall. Um, so I basically make my videos um, there and then I just edit them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So why if, even if anyone needs uh, like a different background, I'll just edit it. And people then send these things over uh, so she can do explainer videos, certain products. But usually they don't ship to Bulgaria, so you have to have them shipped to England. And then today a big box has arrived yes. with uh, all this stuff. Is that that box you were carrying up there? Yes. Yeah. I saw you at the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a bit of a detour, but yeah. So it's good for you guys to have a base or to stay somewhere for a month or two to get these packages? In a way, but I think um, because of these, I'm going to put my prize up a bit more. So then I just get just a few unboxing, but I mean, spokesperson, I can do it from anywhere. Weren't those some of the most amazing travel stories you've ever heard? Emil and Darlin, you guys both amaze me. And I love how you were able to go into detail about what keeps you guys strong and how you help each other get through such amazing experiences and unexpected twists and turns on the road. I look forward to hearing more stories that you encounter and you experience in the future. Um, and as I mentioned, I will post the links to Emil and Darlin's different projects on my website, theschooloftravels.com. Also, I want to mention the movie that Emil referenced, and this is our travel quote this week. He said, this is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. Now, I knew I'd heard that before, and I discovered that it does come from Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. And I think it's a quote we can all take to our hearts and 
remember and, and kind of ponder in your life. What are you doing right now? And is it something you're really enjoying doing? What aspects of your life are you just continuing to kind of get through? Are there any changes you can make to really feel that you're making the best out of life? It's ending one minute at a time. I really liked this quote that Emil reminded us of. And I really liked what Darlin and Emil touched on when they reflected on how travel has changed them. And I plan to remember what they said and take that away with me as I continue to travel. So next week, I'm going to bring you part three of the Bonsco interview series. I've got another woman with an amazing story. A very interesting reason why she started traveling, and I will keep that under wraps. Going to have to find out what I'm talking about. I hope that you all have a great week, listeners, and I will be back very soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money.